Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Memorial Weekend. It's so good to be here today. Uh, You have the honor of having me today. Pastor uh, Cameron took the day off, so here I am. Hey, before I get started, uh, let's take a moment of silence and remember all those who served in our military and have fallen. We have freedom in this country because of courageous men and women who sacrifice their lives for our freedom. Also want to take advantage of this moment. If you serve in our military, can you please stand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. If you're a first responder, could you please stand? Thank you. That's my uncle, by the way. (laughs) Well, if you remember the last time I taught the sermon, I shared a story that I got scammed for $1,800 worth of gift cards. (laughs) I mean, there were some names thrown around there. They called me the gift card pastor. Uh, Cameron brought it up in the sermon a couple of times. Pastor David still gives me heck. He's waiting for his gift card. But somebody pretended to be Pastor Cameron. And so that's how I got scammed. Well, Just to let you know how good God is, I got my money back. That's right. God is good. Now, because I'm teaching today, you want to believe I can't even make this stuff up. Guess what happened to me this week? So after putting uh, one of my company checks in the mailbox, somebody stole it, rewrote that check for almost $5,000. So, yeah, I've been getting my teeth kicked in from the enemy this past week. So whatever the message is today, it's for you. You were supposed to be here today. All right. Do you guys check your calendar today? Today is Pentecost Day. So if you remember, today's a day that all the believers receive the Holy Spirit and they start speaking in different languages. And then Paul, I mean, uh, Peter stood in front of a large crowd and he, gave his, he shared the gospel, and about 3,000 people uh, got saved that day. So I just want to bring that to attention. All right, guys, let me pray for us real quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning as we get to worship the one true God. The name above all names, would you fill this room with your spirit? Open our minds and hearts so we may hear your word, so we walk out of here transformed. Lord, I ask that you speak through me. Let it be your words, not mine. I pray that your message does not come back empty. I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. So turn your uh, Bibles to Acts chapter 8. So we're continuing our series in Acts of the Apostles. Last week, we were in Acts chapter 7. We're finishing the chapter with the killing of a man named Stephen. Stephen was a man which was one of the uh, seven men who were chosen by the apostles to help serve the church. Stephen was taken by the religious leaders because someone falsely accused him of speaking against the holy temple and the law of Moses. There, Stephen eloquently shared the Old Testament to the religious leaders and told them that they killed the Messiah, Jesus Christ. 
They got so mad, they took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen to death. This is where we're going to pick up at Acts uh, chapter 8, verse 1. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Now, let's stop there. Clearly, what you see is the Bible foreshadowing something really big with this young man named Saul. I mean, who agrees with the killing of an innocent man, right? Let's continue. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, believers and the, except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. So from this moment that they killed Stephen, the persecution of the Christians began. Do you guys know that the persecution against our brothers and sisters is still going on today? Many parts of the world hate Christians. The Bible is forbidden in some countries. We're lucky to live in a country where we can gather together as a church and worship together. Not everyone is lucky like we are. So the question is, should the followers of Jesus be surprised that they were being persecuted because they believe Jesus is the Messiah? Well, let's see what Scripture says about this. Turn to John 15, verse 18 through 21. This is, what, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world will love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of this world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is no greater than his master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they will listen to you. They will do all these things to, be, to you because for, of me. For they have rejected the one who sent me. So you see Jesus warning the apostles that there will be persecution because they are his followers. So don't be surprised if you get persecuted for, for your faith. But let's see what else Jesus says in the next chapter over on John 16, verse 1 through 4. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when, they will, when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when it hap they happen, you'll remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a, little, for a while longer. So you see, Jesus prophesied exactly what was going to happen to his followers after he left to go to heaven. But unfortunately, this is what it took for the early church to follow Jesus' command and share the gospel to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So let me pose this question to you. If we're not an Acts 1-8 church, will become an Acts 8-1 church. Let's read Acts 1-8. But you will receive the power where the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, the Lord wanted the early church to move and not just stay in one place. This reminds me of the tuna fish. Did you know that the tuna fish stops moving, it will die? The tuna fish uses a breathing system called a ram vent. And no, I'm not talking about a Dodge Ram either. The tuna swims with its mouth slightly open to allow water that is carrying oxygen to go over its gills so it can breathe. So even when the tuna is sleeping, they have to continue moving. 
They don't stop moving because they will suffocate. Much like the earlier church and our church today, if we as Christians stop moving and sharing the gospel and then we'll do it here, just like the tuna fish, we're going to suffocate the good news. The church was never intended to be just one place or the gospel was just intended for a handful of people. Like we like to say here at Westlake Church, we are the church. And because we are the church, then we should be sharing the gospel as to many people as we can. That means your office, your school, your neighbors, and wherever we go. We're happy to be obedient to the assignment that the Lord himself gave us before he ascended to heaven. Let's continue to verse 2 to 3. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. So we see some devout men came and buried Stephen. And here is the guy named Saul trying to destroy the church. Saul was a vicious and truly believed in his heart that he was doing God's work. This man, as a witness to Stephen's death, became hunting for all who believed in Jesus. He was a bad dude. Not the kind of guy you want to run into a dark alley. There's so much to say about Paul, but we're going to learn more about him in the next chapter, next Sunday. Let's continue to verse 4 through 8. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was a great joy in that city. If you look back at Acts 6, Philip, like Stephen, was among the seven men that were chosen to help serve the church. Philip is also known as Philip the Evangelist. But more importantly, Philip was just a regular dude who took the task of doing the little things in the church to be entrusted by God to doing the big things. Philip went north to a city called Samaria. There he shared the good news about Jesus wherever he went. Just like the apostles, he performed miracles. He started to cast out demons, started to heal people through the power of the Holy Spirit. Philip had a strong following, not like a social media following or clout. If you don't know what clout means, have somebody 30 or younger explain it to you at lunch. Verse 19 through 13. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because of a long time he had been astounding them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of God, news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and it was amazed by signs and great miracles Philip performed. Now we see this new character named Simon come into the scene. He was a sorcerer and wild people with his magic. Now we all need to know, understand that magic and sorcery is not from God. Biblical scholars say that magic, witchcraft, and sorcery all started in the city of Babylon. So Simon who was used to getting all the attention in Samaria, and he started to see Philip perform many miracles, wonders, 
And Simon knew that that wasn't magic. It was the power of God. Simon believed in what Philip was saying so that he even got baptized. Let's continue, verse 14 through 17. When the apostles of Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. The, the Peter and John laid their hands upon the believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. I understand what you guys are thinking. Why did the new believers have to wait to receive the Holy Spirit? If you read verse 16, the new believers were baptized only by the name of Jesus. The apostles came to inspect the good works. Remember, the Jews did not get along with the Samaritans. So the apostles at that time had to go see for themselves. Once they saw true faith, then they prayed for the Holy Spirit to fall upon them like it did for them. When Luke wrote this book of Acts of the Apostles, he wrote it prescriptively. We don't see believers waiting to receive the Holy Spirit in the New Testament other than Acts 8 because this was a transition period for the new church. Verse 18 through 25. When Simon saw the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered them money to buy the power. Let me, let me have this power too, he exclaimed. So when I laid my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you, thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part of this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you with your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and held captive by your sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. The first thing I want to point out is anything from God is not for sale. It is a free gift. Simon clearly had his own agenda. Simon said that he believed, but did he? Turn to James uh, 2, verse 19. You say you have faith. For you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. You see, Simon had counterfeit faith. He wanted the power of the Holy Spirit without actually truly believing. Oftentimes, we want something really bad for our own selfish reasons, and we don't want to put in the work into achieving it. Does that mean that we really wanted it? Of course not. When you want something bad enough, you will work hard to achieve it. The same goes with your faith. If you want to be a true follower of Christ, you must die to yourself in order to live. Then we start to live a life that honors and glorifies God. I'm not saying it's easy, but what I am saying is anyone can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to verse 20. In a different translation called the JB translation, which is a very colorful translation, it reads like this. But Peter said to him, to hell with your money to help with you and your money, how dare you think you could buy that gift of God? It's pretty strong words, right? Do you know how strongly Peter felt about Simon wanting to buy the power of the Holy Spirit? Something else that jumped out at me was Simon never repented, so he was never saved. He had, he had false faith. 
Turn to verse 26, 28. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south, down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. He started out, and he met a treasure of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandike, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading out loud the book of the prophet Isaiah. So we see Philip have an encounter with the angel, and the angel instructed Philip to go south towards Gaza. On that same road, there is a eunuch traveling south, and do you think by coincidence he is reading Isaiah out loud? Let's find out. Act, uh, verse 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along, walk along beside the carriage. Now we can see God's perfect plan started you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever experienced the Holy Spirit speak to you? I had an, I had an ex experience with the Holy Spirit. My family, uh, many years ago, when my kids were little, uh, we went to a family birthday party. And I was sitting down, didn't want to be at the party. I was sitting down by myself, and I stood up with a rush of just energy. And I don't know why, I just did. I looked around, nobody was there, and I heard a voice in my ear. It was so close. It said, go check on your children. I ran upstairs, and at that moment, I didn't understand, but there was a man uh, who was starting to abuse my four-year-old child. Um, I thank the Holy Spirit because... He stopped something that was so evil to continue to happen. Um, maybe for some of us, the Holy Spirit speaks through people to send you a message, or maybe you feel that nudge in your heart to do something that will bring glory and honor for the Lord. The Holy Spirit has different ways of communicating with you. Trust me, you will know when it's the Holy Spirit. What I see in verse 29 is that Philip was obedient to the calling so that God may use him for his will and for his purpose. Verse 30 to 35, Philip ran and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're, what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of the scripture he had been reading was this. He led a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of this descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So the beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As you can see, Philip had the interaction with a eunuch that led him to share this, share some, share some, uh, consider, the, uh, some scholars consider as the first gospel, Isaiah 53. The scripture is prophesizing the death of our Lord Jesus. All this was able to happen because an average person like Philip, who was entrusted with the little things in church, is now being used by God to share the gospel to a eunuch. 
As we read the next verses, I want us to look at three key elements to true salvation. Let's start in verse 36. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? After Philip preached the good news, the eunuch had the first element of salvation, faith. The eunuch was eager to get baptized and wasted no time to doing it. And he saw an opportunity when he saw the water. Verse 38. He ordered the carriage to stop and then went down to the water and Philip baptized him. Here's the second element of true salvation, obedience. He felt the nudge in his heart and was obedient to the Holy Spirit and was baptized. Verse 39. When they came up of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip got snatched up by the Spirit of God. We've only seen Elijah and Ezekiel get snatched by the Spirit of God in Scripture. Look at the end of the verse. The third element of salvation is joy. The eunuch never saw Philip again, but went on his way. Key word here, rejoicing. When you invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Messiah, there is great joy in your heart to know that you are part of God's kingdom. In the story with the eunuch, we broke down three elements of true salvation, faith, obedience, and joy. On the story with Simon, you see Simon wanted the power. The eunuch wanted truth. Simon wanted to pay money for the power. The eunuch desperately wanted the truth. You can clearly distinguish between false faith and saving faith. Here's another bonus for you guys. Uh, verse 37 doesn't appear in ancient manuscript. It was added later. Someone added it, and it reads like this, verse 37. You can, Philip answered, if you believe with all your heart. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This is the moment that eunuch was baptized. As I close today, I just want to ask everyone a few questions. How does your spiritual life look like today? Is it a service level, surface level faith? Is it a counterfeit faith? Is it a genuine faith? The faith that is obedient to the calling of God and hungers for the truth that comes from the word of God. Because if you are a true follower of Jesus, then we stop. What is stopping you from sharing the gospel to your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates, and your own home? Maybe today is the first time you feel that nudge in your heart to know more about Jesus. I will invite you to see me after church so I can, so I can uh, help you learn how to walk in faith with the one true God. Maybe for some of us, we haven't surrendered every part of our lives. What would your life look like with full surrender to the Lord? If we are to be in Acts 1-8 church, then we should be sharing the gospel with everyone and everywhere. You might be saying, I don't know how to share the gospel. Two ways that you can do that. The easiest is sharing your personal testimony on how Jesus changed your life. Because in the middle of everyone's story is the gospel. When we are saved, our lives should look different than before because we are born again by the Spirit and sealed by the Holy Spirit. The second way you can share the gospel is to point them to Scripture. 
Let God speak to that individual through his word. I don't want us to be a church that knows a lot of scripture, but a church that lives out the scripture. Finally, I'll leave you with this final question. Can the Lord trust you with the little things so he can later trust you with the bigger things? Let me pray. God, we are thankful for your word this morning. Your word comforts us, convicts us of sin. It teaches us about truth. And your word leads us into righteousness. I pray for transformation in our hearts. Give us boldness to share the gospel everywhere we go. I pray for healing for anyone in this room or watching that desperately needs it. I declare in the name of Jesus that any bondage of sin will be removed from anyone struggling today and let it be replaced with your love. Lord, I pray that you listen to your people who are in this room watching that have been crying out to you. They desperately need you. Would you meet them right now as they are? Lord, if there's anyone in this room who's sent today to receive salvation, you can repeat this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Lord, your promises still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Our lives are in your hands. This is our confidence. You never failed us yet. Jesus, will you do it again? We love you so much and pray all these things in Jesus' mighty and holy name. Amen.